0: If you lose to Dallas, uh, I really don't think. Like, I think that shows you you kind of really stink.
1: Yeah, it's hard to imagine though losing to this team, and we can talk about the defense all we want. And I think it's very fair to go down that road because that defense can't stop anybody. I don't know how they're going to be able to score with the quarterback that they are going to have to utilize. Right? I mean, how we well, don't they know that for along? sure, but yes. Yeah, true. You don't know that for sure, and they do have a lot of weapons, right? So if they just have a simple game plan, can they move the ball? Maybe I don't know. That I mean, being said, I would be pretty
0: surprised if if uh, if Dalton plays based on the hit that he took, but he's not definitively ruled. I have not seen. I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I haven't seen what they're, uh He's in the concussion protocol. That's definitive, but I didn't see what they said today. Andy Dalton has entered the league's concussion. He's uncertain. Uh, Ben DiNucci would be the quarterback if Ben DiNucci beat you I wouldn't be far-fetched to say you might have to fire Jim Schwartz you think so it's a fireable offense you can't lose to Ben DiNucci I don't think that's going to happen okay forget losing to him if you lose because your defense was the problem is the reason you lost it's different if you lose nine six you know what I mean definitely if you lost because your defense couldn't stop Ben DiNucci then you might have to reevaluate, like, there's a lot of people out there who just hate Schwartz. Right. I'm not a Schwartz hater. I think he's a competent guy. Is he the best? No. Is he the worst? No. Is he somewhere in the middle? He's probably in the top half, okay? Yes. You lose to
1: Ben DiNucci, I might have to reevaluate that. I agree, but the thing is, he does well against these younger quarterbacks in the league. So, with that being said, with guys who don't have a lot of experience, he shows that he normally does do you know a decent job at it, so I would expect him to show him some pressure, get him uncomfortable, make him for you know, force him to have to make a quick decision. He does this, he knows he's been around the block.
0: Oh, no, you're right. This is this is the kind of game where he really thrives. He throws pressure at Bandanucci's, he th- shows them all different looks. I mean, he will really, I think, give this kid problems. I mean, that's where you know, he really does a good job. And that's why it would be so frustrating if you lose a game. But, you know, you talk about at the beginning of this week, on, on this Sunday, I woke up today thinking, man, Dallas is really bad. And it's not like, hey, I think we can win the Super Bowl because Dallas is really bad. It's, no, I think you can start to play better football. You can start to get – there's no question. Piling up a couple wins gains confidence. You see when Brandon Graham and they win games and Brandon Graham, you know, hey, I told you, you guys kind of like, – That
1: element of it is like they lost to the Dolphins, people counted them out, and then they won four in a row last year. Right. And if you look at them now, sitting at two, four, and one, if they beat Dallas, they would be three, four, and one. They have the bye to kind of rest up with the New York Giants team that they can win. You could be four, four, and one, which isn't great by any means, but based off the fact that you had one win just a week ago, four, four, and one, entering a tough stretch, no doubt. But to be 4-4-1 would definitely have this team with a different level of confidence that you need confidence to play well. So there is a scenario to be essentially 500 heading into that stretch.
0: And I know a lot of people out there are not excited about that. And in a normal year, I don't know that I would be all that excited about the fact that, oh. But with all the injuries this year and the COVID situation, if this team can get themselves healthy, which they're kind of slowly getting back to that roll the dice you never know that's the way I'm kind of looking at it and it's Sunday night against Dallas after beating the Giants and then knowing
1: that you play the Giants again now last week you said you think the Giants get them next time I did say that it did feel like that they're inching closer every time they play but who knows maybe we'll see maybe the Giants Giants themselves again it is possible well the whole
0: division is still up for grabs like if you're Washington right now you're probably thinking hey we've beaten we're 2-0 and in the uh they're 2-1 and in the division They lost to the Giants. Look at that. They beat
1: Philly. They beat Dallas. They
0: lose to the Giants.
1: And they had a chance to win, though, at the end of the play. They had a, what's it, a two-point conversion to win they went for, Ron Rivera did.
0: Yeah, so they are, they have two wins inside the division, which is better than everybody else. What if they win the division this year? It's not out of the realm of possibility. If they had any decent quarterback play. Kyle Allen. I think that's why they went to Kyle Allen. Because of that thought, is we can win I think all four teams had the same thought. Can we just win our division games? And if we can just win our division games,
1: that will be enough. Do you think the Giants still look at themselves with a the chance to do yeah. this? Yeah? Absolutely. Okay. They're 1-5, right? 1-5 One 1-5. But you know what? In reality, they do still have a chance. It's just hard to imagine When you're playing the way they lost to Dallas and they lost to Washington. So that makes it a little
0: bit more far-fetched than Washington who has two wins inside the division and Dallas who
1: has one. Well, guess what? The Eagles have a big game against Washington late in the season. That could be for all the marbles. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Possibility. Yes. Well,
0: I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to suggest that those last two games are going to have meaning for
1: all four teams. That's very true, and that's why one of the reasons why I was upset after the game and it did feel like a loss, but at the end of the day, I was happy they won because just like you mentioned, it could be possible that down the stretch, those last couple games could mean a lot for the division. I want to be involved. These games need to matter. Imagine being 1-9-1, 11 weeks in, and you're just watching a game on Sunday that means absolutely nothing. I don't care if the division sucks or not. I want the games to matter. So winning these games while we can all comprehend that the division is garbage and they're not going to go in the Super Bowl, you don't want to watch a 1-9 and 1 team just on Sunday to watch. You got to have meaning behind it. I always
0: want my football season to matter for as long as possible. That's period point blank. Do I think my team can win the Super Bowl all the time? No. But I also want the games to have a reason for me to want to watch. There's been years when the Eagles have been out of it on a Sunday, and you're saying, All right, what am I going to do with my Sunday? Like, I, I, they played the Giants a couple of years ago, um, like doing the Chip Kelly year. They, that year when Chip was done, he got fired after the Washington game. They played the Giants on that Sunday. Uh, I'm not paying attention to that game. Yeah. Who took over? Was it Shermer? Shermer. Yep. Yep. And they won that game. But, that's what I'm. That's not what I'm looking for. And I know there's people out there, like the Cowboys people. I think have turned to the draft. I think they're ready to tank it up and go draft. Seriously, um, I just don't find the NFL draft is the same as the NBA draft. I don't have the same mindset that go four and twelve so I can get a pick where I can be seven and nine.
1: Right, and when you-
0: there's a difference between being seven and nine and not making the playoffs and seven and nine and winning the division. That's the difference. I can agree with you. And when like, you I'd rather be 4-12 than
1: 7-9 at the end of the day if I don't make the playoffs. That's fair. No, I'm with you. But if you just go through history and do a little research and you look at where the Eagles have drafted as of late when making the playoffs at 9-7... and seven, there is tremendous talent all around the board in every selection and every spot that they could select to pick. So, with that being said, if you're nine and seven and there's so much value with all of these picks, if you go back and look at the recent drafts, that shows me that you don't really need a top five, six, seven, eight. You can find insane talent at 16, 17, 18 that would still benefit your football team tremendously
0: this year. I mean, I think it's a clear indication, not just Rieger, but I'm talking about deeper. Justin Jefferson. There was guys in that area that are having a good year that you got deeper in the draft. Here's another thing. We talked about this a little earlier, is that you are depending on a lot of guys who are young and they're gaining some meaningful football experience on the fly and it's not in a, you don't want to start a losing atmosphere with some of these young players. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't want to see Jordan Maialata be the left tackle for a team that's horrendous. You need that guy. You're hoping that guy becomes a franchise left tackle for you. And being the franchise left tackle for a 5-11-1 team is a lot different than, or 5-10-1 team is a lot different than one that made the playoffs.
1: Different expectation, different standards. You know what I mean? Absolutely. The Maialata story, though, it is definitely in my head a bit about what is the future of Jordan Maialata. What is the mindset of the organization at this left tackle position? I know we brought this up before, but with Andre Dillard and moving up and going to grab him in the first round, if Maialata is phenomenal, what do you do at left tackle? I mean, it's a good spot to be in. You have two left tackles, possibly, of your future One's drafted in the seventh round, one's drafted in the first round. What is the game plan with that? Let him ride out this year, and then they battle it out in the offseason? Is that kind of what they want to do?
0: I definitely feel like that is, in the offseason, I think that's one of the biggest storylines moving forward, is what happens with the whole Andre Dillard thing. Yeah, I mean... You had this guy that you drafted in the first round. I think they traded up to get him. And is is he just now a reserve left tackle? Because... I know a lot of people didn't like him. Um, oh, you. By all accounts, the guy was supposed to be a very good pass blocker, not a great run blocker, and that, you know, that they were working on that. But you get a, you know, a left tackle who can just protect the blind side for the next 10 years. And unfortunately, we may never get a chance to see that from him because. If this kid Maialata plays well, I don't know how you just say, eh, you're losing your job to to Dillard.
1: That's fair. That's definitely fair. But let me ask you this. Have you seen enough out of to think that the job can't be open to Dillard? Because, I mean, I Maialata has flaws. I'm not saying he's perfect. And, you know, I, could Andre Dillard take that spot back easily if he played to yeah. his capability? Yeah. Like, I don't think the door is just shut automatically. I oh, think Dillard I, has a chance. I
0: definitely think that you have to... Um, make it a competition next year. You can't just say, "Hey, this job is Jordan Mayolata's," or, "Hey, Dillard, this is your job when you come back." I think you have to make it a make it a, a, a
1: open competition. And the question of Andre Dillard, his mindset has been questioned. His you know the, the his mental side of the game has his been mental, questioned. His toughness, yeah, I mean, his mental toughness and the fact that what turned a lot
0: of people off was that he said he really did not want to play right tackle. And the game that he did not want to play right tackle, he stunk in that game. It was almost like I said I didn't want to do it, and I'm going to show you that I don't want to do it. And then everybody just went off of he stinks based on the game that he played the position that he didn't really want to play. But I'm not giving him a pass. You play right tackle if they ask you to play right tackle.
1: That's what kind of, I think, turned some people off, which is fair. Yeah, there were also reports, too, in practice. He got into some emotional breakdown, and he was kind of going after some guys, which some looked at good. You have some passion in you. You have some fight in you. Show some heart out there in practice. And others look like, are you kidding me? This kid's a baby, and he's
0: well, being ridiculous I remember ridiculous we, we had him on the air the day after he got drafted, and he had said something in the interview with us, and people were texting in kind of questioning, hey, is this guy tough enough? To, to, to play in this league. Like, he had he had come off as somebody who people were questioning his toughness right off the bat there. And I'm not writing him off as a player at all, but I definitely think that story next year, the Dillard, Mailata. But, you know, what else is is good, though, is you're playing games that have meaning behind them, and it ups the competition level of the players. Like, Nate Herbig next year. Hey, I played on a team that was pretty good. That only makes the competition for the left guard spot. Herbig might come in and say, hey, I want to compete with Sayamala for that starting job. I started last year on a team that went to the playoffs as opposed to, hey, I was a starter on the team that went 5-10-1.
1: Right, it's healthy competition. Anyway. Healthy competition, though. You know what I mean? It's, it's always good to have some healthy competition. I wonder with Andre Dillard, though, coming to the East Coast, de- definitely a different vibe than Washington. Different vibe from that West Coast. How much of this pressure that is brought here with the media, with the fans, how much is that playing a role in what you have seen to this point? I, I'm,
0: I'm not sure he has really... Um face the veracity, I guess, if you will,
1: of the, of the Eagles fan base yet. Like he hasn't started every week. Right. So he only had a taste of it. He hasn't had the real full thing yet to experience how nuts it can be. Right.
0: Where he has to stand up and face the music after and keep in mind the COVID, you don't have the
1: reporter standing at your locker. That's so true. I don't know if we're ever going to get that back. Um,
0: I, I would hope so. And I too, I like
1: they're they're getting around it, it's okay, but you can't get the same questioning. I know, but I wonder if this is something that changes sports broadcasting for the rest of time. Like this changes sports the journalism way,
0: forever. The only way I think it would possibly change is if the if the teams if the teams kind of uh, decide, hey, we don't want them back in the locker room, but I don't think that the teams could do that. I think the league would mandate. You know what I mean? Like you, The, the league mandates that these uh, coaches talk on these days. They don't do it because they want to.
1: Right. I was going to say the teams would probably prefer for people not to be in the locker room. So if they had to say, we'll probably never get back into there.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think you'll see... back to normal not next season maybe maybe next football season maybe seriously I don't well you heard what uh Jared Diamond said he doesn't see the baseball season having normalcy next year I don't either where it's like full stadiums and all that kind of stuff and that's going to be you know you're looking at
1: March April I will say though in this world series There's people in there. It's limited. It's enough, though. It's enough to impact as a fan watching on TV. Seems like a lot of Dodger fans. Yeah. Yeah,
0: definitely. Do the Rays even have any fans other than us? Damn, I was going to go there. You took it right from me. (laughs) I don't think they do. All right, Sports Pass is brought to you by Dorothy Gale Roofing. There's no place like your home, and if you have a leak or need a new roof, call Dorothy Gale Roofing, 877-97-KEVIN or visit them online at DorothyGale.com. 97.3 ESPN. All right, one thought every game. Week seven is in the books. Casey Joyner, NFL insider, set to join us here. He'll give us his thoughts. One thought every game on this week seven slate, which continues tonight. We'll have it for you. Bears and Rams on 97.3 ESPN. We'll have Casey's one thought on every game in just a second, but let's take a look at that one as we get you ready for Monday Night Football. And, of course, you can hear it right here on 97.3 ESPN. Rams at home. Take it on Nick Foles. Very good defense. You know, Casey, when I look at the NSC, a lot of the better teams, Seattle, um, Green Bay, New Orleans, they all don't have very good defenses. The Bears have a really good defense, but they don't score all that much. Makes this game pretty interesting tonight.
2: Yeah, it should be pretty interesting tonight. And, and mind you, they probably have more talent on offense than what their production has shown. I mean, they you know Robinson's a very good receiver. Uh, Montgomery's a good back. I mean, they, they've got some talent. They just I think part of it is they like to play low scoring games. They're not they don't want to. They realize that hey we're not, we're not slated to get in any kind of a shootout thing things. They posted fewer than 300 offensive yards in three straight games. You know the Rams have tallied 400 or more offensive reds in four contests, and I think they could win a higher scoring matchup more easily. So I. Pick- the Rams, because I think they'll be able to get in a bit more high scoring than the Bears want.
0: Well, and, and this Rams team—I mean, last year they missed the playoffs. But what is different about this Rams team from the one that missed the playoffs last year?
2: I think they want to. Is people, fantasy managers, tearing their hair up because they don't know what to do with the backfield. But having said that, they have three quality backs. Gurley last year was not the back that he had been, and so they, they've got three backs that they can lean on, and they can rotate them, and they can keep them fresh, and it allows them to be more of a run-heavy team than they, than they were last year. I think they started to get away. That's one of the things when you have a, a passing play caller, they tend to want to throw the ball more often sometimes than they should, and you kind of got to break them with the havoc, sort of like Andy Reid did last year with with the Chiefs realizing I can't just keep throwing the ball all the time and I think McVay has realized that the, I've got to be I've got to have a power rushing game to augment my passing game I can't just be passive I think that's the big difference
0: Bears uh, Nick Foles is obviously taking over there does he give them a better chance to win or is it negligible
2: I think he does give them a better chance, because remember what Bowles is when he's really good. I mean, when he's that good, you know what his ceiling is. We've seen it, you know, Super Bowl win that one season where he only had two picks, what, 27 touchdown passes, I think the number was. So, I mean, when he's that good, he's that good. And Trubisky, frankly, just isn't that good. And it tells me something about... About the Bears, that they felt that we need to bring in somebody to push Trubisky, and that Trubisky still didn't play that much better. It says that this isn't a talent issue. This isn't a a problem where where Trubisky just wasn't. It didn't have the physical skills. It's just that he's not adjusting his life in the NFL. And we know what Foles can do when he plays that well. So he's just a higher ceiling player.
0: Bears offensively, as you mentioned, uh, they got a little bit of talent here, but uh, in this particular game, is their defense the difference? When you, I mean, the Rams are a pretty good defense, but uh, Jared Goff, I guess there's some questions still about him, and is the difference maker in this game the Bears' defense?
2: The bears defense I mean, the bears defense has been i mean they 've not given they 've given up fewer than twenty points in three straight games and four out of the last five contests they get up nineteen or fewer points so that 's really good they 've got turnovers in five out of six games and they 've got four turnovers the past two weeks so i mean they 're very good there. The thing is though is that you can run the ball on them. Five out of six opponents have rushed for over 100 yards against them, but you're not going to throw the ball. The highest uh, yardage total against them for net yards passing is 288, and that was in Week 1. They haven't even given up as many as 250 in any of the other games. So I think this is a game where the Rams are going to want to lean on that ground game as much as they can. But having said that, if you do that, you play into the low-scoring battle that Chicago wants to get you in.
0: All right, uh, that game tonight, 97.3 ESPN's coverage begins at 7.30. You can hear it right here on 97.3 three. ESPN, Casey Joiner, NFL Insider, will take uh, one thought on every Week Seven game, and obviously, as this season continues to kind of move on here, we're getting a, a little bit better feel on a, a lot of these teams now. So uh, let's dive into our one thought on every game and get Casey's Joiner's thoughts on them. Let's start. With uh, Detroit and Atlanta, Atlanta again. It looked like they're going to win this game. They got it early, scores, but he uh, probably shouldn't have scored, and they lose again at home. Detroit gets a nice win there. All of a sudden, like, hey, Detroit's kind of back around. I guess in the in, in maybe the wild card race. I mean, I don't think anybody takes them serious, but all of a sudden they are uh, back at five hundred.
2: Yeah, they are, and it was it was shades of Brian Westbrook, but he he didn't quite get there. He's got it, you know. He had to stop at the half yard line. It's like he forgot that he should. He was supposed to stop and 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 get there until he got right to the end zone. This running back just wants to get in the end zone, so I get it. But the Lions, hey, they came back. It wasn't just that they you know that they that they, they got a mistake there. They had to go down and score, and they did, and they had to kick a long PAT to win. So I give the Lions a lot of credit. And with seven playoff teams, they do have a chance of being a wild card team if they keep this up.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of depth in the NFC, though. They, yeah. they,
2: they, <laughs> a, a chance, a small one.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you there. I, I mean, they are 500, so uh, that's more than all the teams in the NFC East can say. All right, let's go uh, to Cleveland, Cincinnati. What a wild one. A couple thoughts on this one here. Cleveland, uh, you know, puts up 37. Big game. Joe Burrow goes over 400 yards. I mean, back and forth they went, but Cleveland without OBJ pulls this out.
2: Yeah, they do, and Cincinnati gets into those sorts of shootout contests and things, and Burrow was the first quarterback, I believe I have this number correct, first quarterback to, first rookie quarterback to throw for 400 yards. Throw for three touchdowns and get a rushing touchdown in a game. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's putting up phenomenal numbers, but Cincinnati will get into those sorts of contests. The Browns, you can't keep getting into these high-scoring games. You lose OBJ now, and you, your offense is just not that kind of game. They got to get back to that power rushing attack, or these are going to be the kind of games they lose in the future.
0: All right, let's. Uh, by the way, do you like their offense better without OBJ? It seemed a little bit more uh, smooth when once he left.
2: Uh, I think they try to force too much of their offense through to him, and that's probably not a good move for them. They need to be a more balanced offense. He's a sort of receiver, though, kind of diva that you got to throw the ball to him. So they might it might be somewhat addition by subtraction, but you can't lose that kind of talent. It's not a good thing to, to lose somebody of that caliber.
0: All right. Uh, it's going to uh, maybe the game of the weekend. Pittsburgh, Tennessee, 27-24. Pittsburgh wins it on the road. They go up big. Tennessee comes back. A missed field goal would have sent it to overtime, a makeable one. Uh, a 44-yarder. That's a lot of. I mean, I I feel like Tennessee's missed a lot of field goals. Um, you know that. Uh, you know that one there really ends up uh, changing the game though because they could have gone to overtime. But uh, Pittsburgh stays unbeaten.
2: Pittsburgh stays unbeaten, they played, they did, they Tomlin, we talked about this before, that there are games when they will Tomlin, and they'll play down at the competition level, but in this contest, my son and I were watching, when they get up 27-7, and A.J. Brown gets that big touchdown pass, we both looked at each other and said, the comeback's beginning because Pittsburgh thought we're up 27-7, and downshifted, and weren't playing as hard as they had before. I, I don't want to take anything away from the Titans, but that's, that's the way Pittsburgh is. When they play four quarters, there's not a team in the league that can beat them, but they won't play four quarters all the time, so they're lucky to get away with that one.
0: All right, uh, next up on the Week 7 slate, Carolina-New Orleans. I like this Carolina team. They just are missing something. Not sure what it is. They're right there in that game. But New Orleans feels different, too.
2: I think what they're missing is Christian McCaffrey. He's in these contests. I think they're they're more than, you know, they could have five wins because Mike Davis is just finally running out of gas. I mean, it's and, and a great difference to fill in, and things. He's just not a guy you're going to be able to get that kind of production for that many games. So they'll get better when they get McCaffrey back, which will probably be Week 9. But the Saints... Saints are winning high-scoring games. They don't want to get in the high-scoring games. They pull out another one, but they're the kind of team also that needs to keep the score lower because they don't have the kind of offense that's going to be able to keep up, especially with what's going on, Thomas.
0: All right, heading to uh, next up, we've got Buffalo and the Jets. This one here, I mean, Buffalo was a a 9.5-point favorite. They took care of business, but, man, it was an ugly one. Uh, What's going on with the Bills? Why? Like, we talked about this earlier. Like I feel like Buffalo, okay, they can win that division. Maybe they're a playoff team, but I feel like they are – definitively a step below the the top of the AFC teams.
2: It's almost, it's, I don't want to, it has to do with, in the first few games of the season, teams were playing very man-heavy coverage against their three and four wide receiver sets, and they were getting toasted. And a few games ago, uh, and teams started playing zone against them. And once teams started playing much more zone-heavy, Josh Allen just isn't as good at reading zones as he is at reading man coverage. And it's slowing down their offense. Now, they need to embrace this, though, because they're never the kind of team that's going to be a shootout-caliber team. They need to embrace the idea that we need to get in the lower-scoring games, And uh, this is not what they had in mind, but they, they got the win, so maybe it's going to be good for them.
0: All right, uh, they get the win, and the Jets fall to 0-7. They play Kansas City next week. Good luck. With that, Dallas and Washington. Let's uh, take a little deeper look at this one. Dallas is real bad. I mean, th- that's evident now. They are real, real bad. They lose twenty-five to three against a very bad Washington team here. What are? Let's first look at Dallas here. What are some of the big, big problems that Dallas has?
2: They what? Where where, where don't they have problems? Zeke is playing terrible. They, he looks disinterested. Obviously, Dalton was playing bad before he got knocked out. Tanucci, their third stringer, he can't cut it they've got with one if you take the top their receiving core their trio their top three receivers they might not be the best forty but they've got the top three receivers in the league if you said i'm going to take a trio of wideouts and they can't get anything done with them I, but the Cowboys players, when you hear them anonymously saying, we don't think our coaching staff knows what they're talking about, if you talk to players, they'll tell you that that's the number one thing that will get a co- the team to turn on its coach, if they don't think the coaches know what they're doing. And right now that's what the, the players are saying about the coaches beyond the scenes reportedly. And if that's the case, if that really is it, this Cowboys team is done because if the players put on the coaches, you can't turn around from it.
0: They People thought this team had talent. There were some people that thought they were in the Super Bowl. I mean, the line, they got some injuries there but what happened to the defense?
2: <laughs> what happened to the defense is they can't, they can't even play the basic coverages. I mean, uh, uh, Nolan was talking last week about, hey, we're calling, we're calling coverages that these players should know from high school. We're calling basic cover three defenses that these players should know what they're doing, and you see the players don't know what they're doing, and they don't, they, they're, 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 making, they're not making the most basic of plays, and normally when a team can't execute at that level, if you look at it and say, look, they got more talent than what they're saying, it comes down to coaching. I really think when McCarthy, when he was gone in Green Bay, I said on Twitter that I would be surprised if any team hired him because of how badly he coached in certain situations in Green Bay, and he got away with it because he had Aaron Rodgers. And people based me, oh, no way. McCarthy will get hired. McCarthy, he's, you know, he's got a Super Bowl. Of course he'll get hired. Well, look what's happened. I'm not trying to say I was right, but look, people around the league will tell you that he doesn't really, you know, that they, he's not the great play caller, and he misses a lot of those things, and his players catch onto it. And if they don't think that the coaches know what they're doing, they're just not going to play that hard. And this is, I think, the crux of what's the problem is with the Cowboys.
0: What about Washington? I mean, if they had stable quarterback play, can they are they the team in the east that not enough i mean everybody seems it was Dallas or Philly even though it was bad but is Washington in the mix I
2: think of uh, you got to give credit to Ron Rivera for making the the quarterback change because Look at what they've done. They, they went toe-to-toe with the Giants. Everybody figured there's no way they're going to win that contest. They almost did. And then they, they thrashed the Cowboys. Now they've got a bye week and things. I think he knew that our, our quarterback play with Haskins is so bad, it's costing us contest. Even though we're getting a lot of, you know, we're getting some, some passing production and things, we're not playing that one. We're turning a ball over too much. They had eight turnovers in three games at one point, but then they had two in the past three weeks. So I think that making that coaching change got them to a level to where, yeah, they can compete with the NFC East.
0: Oh, boy. It's going to be an ugly ride <laughs> down the stretch they come. By the way, Philly and Dallas this Sunday night. Casey's back on Friday with a breakdown of that game. One thought on every game Friday night, including the Eagles and Cowboys. Cowboys 2-5, and five, Washington 2-5. and five. Philadelphia, 2-4-1. and one. They have a half-game lead in the East. That's your matchup on Sunday night. Green Bay goes to Houston. They pick up a win. They bounce back after that ugly loss to Tampa. Uh, and Houston, obviously, is going through kind of a transition with the new coach.
2: They are, and they just have a horrible defense. I mean, their defense gives up 160-plus uh, you know, rushing yards in nearly every contest, and you can't have that kind of defense against the Packers. And I also couldn't figure out how to do any kind of man coverage against Adams. They don't even have people to cover uh, Adams in man coverage. I have no idea why they were even trying.
0: Uh, Good effort by them. Get out of there. All right. Uh, Tampa Bay goes to Vegas, and they put up 45. They add Antonio Brown. Do they even need him? uh, Vegas can't keep up 45-20.
2: Uh, the thing is is Arians said that uh, he was he, uh, read Peter King's column this morning and Arians had told him that the problem for the Bucks receivers is that none of them are, are like all three of them are the eighty percent, eighty five percent, none of them are fully healthy. That's one of the reasons he brought in Antonio so he can maybe rest and receiver and one of the top three receivers and say, Okay, we can get back to full strength. But think about that. If they're not healthy and they can put up forty five and Brady can look as good as he as, as he does, I mean it just it says, speaks volumes to this team with that defense. This is um, they're they're a top two or three Super Bowl contender
0: right uh, now. Yeah, I like them a lot as well. Kansas City goes to Denver and quietly puts up 43, even when Mahomes doesn't have a big day. Just too much Kansas City in this
2: one. Yeah, too much Kansas City, and they knew they could play a different caliber of game because they know the Denver just couldn't keep up in the shootout. Denver, Denver couldn't even turn the game into a shootout they wanted to. So that led the Chiefs be a certain type of aggressive, but they don't normally try to be against more dangerous offenses. And the Broncos couldn't even, couldn't even do a flea flick of play properly, and that shows you how bad they are on offense.
0: San Francisco, 33-6. Uh, Patriots got to start wondering, hmm, is, is this Patriots team just not that good? And San Francisco, after a couple of tough losses, they lose at home to Philly, they lose at home uh, bad to the Dolphins. They're turning things around.
2: Power football wins games, and San Francisco sticks to power football. And sometimes, you know, if you don't have the some of the, if you have problems in defense, you can lose games you should win. But they they can play power football all the time. the Patriots really are not that good. They're terrible on offense. And I, I was surprised though that. Out of the pickers on nflpickwatch.com, 70% of the experts picked the Patriots to win that contest. I picked the 49ers fairly comfortably didn't feel that weird about it because the 49ers just play a brand of football that's really good. and The Patriots are that bad, so I think it's finally catching on with the world. The Patriots really are a team that might struggle to be 500 this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, Newton played okay the first couple of weeks. I mean, he was giving them something. He was terrible yesterday.
2: He's, he's awful, and he's making a lot of m- mistakes. And even talking today, they were saying that you know, Belichick said, yeah, he's definitely a starter. And Newton's saying, I'm not worried about the coaching staff. I'm worried about keeping my teammates believing in man." I'm like wow, that's kind of scary. Not that you shouldn't care about the coaching staff, but obviously Newton thinks that his teammates are thinking that he's not up to par. If that's the case, and they do start believing that, I think this thing could go south. So I, the Patriots just, they have very limited windows to victory just given the, their talent on offense.
0: Jacksonville 39, uh, excuse me, uh, Chargers 39, Jacksonville 29. Justin Herbert continues to be really impressive, man. I really love watching that kid play. And mid might have seen the end of the road.
2: Yeah, it might have. I mean, uh, Robinson had a very good game for them, and that's a tough game for them too. It's a lacrosse country road trip against a team that's probably more talented than they are. Herbert playing as well as he is, I got to say though, think about it. We got Herbert and we got Joe Burrow. You're talking offensive rookie of the year. That's a fantastic race. We are very lucky as football fans to have these two because Herbert is just the, he's he's a different player here at the Chargers than he was at Oregon. And he was pretty good at Oregon.
0: Uh, he was, and uh, he could have came out the you know probably his junior year. He decided to stay. And uh, ended up bouncing them down a little bit, but the Chargers have really made out uh, in that one. An unfortunate situation with Tyrod Taylor and that whole thing, but they they had to stick, and they made the right decision, sticking with Herbert. Um, 347 yards uh, for Justin yesterday. All right, Seattle and Arizona. This was a good one last night. Arizona. They, d- they disappointed me losing that game to the Lions. They had another disappointing loss uh, somewhere on there that they didn't play uh, all that well for a couple of weeks. But now all of a sudden, this Arizona team, you know, there's always teams that did make the playoffs one year. They get into it next year. you got to start looking at Arizona as maybe one of those teams. And in a very competitive West, they're right in the mix.
2: They have 400 or more uh, offensive yards, net offensive yards, in five out of seven games this year. Their problem is their defense gave up 572 yards yesterday and 444 yards just a couple of weeks ago. But they get a lot of turnovers, and if they keep getting a lot of turnovers, they can win games like this. I'm more worried about Seattle because before that game, Arizona had allowed – Uh, fewer than 20 points in three of their last six contests, so their defense is kind of holding up. Seattle's defense is just atrocious. They've allowed fewer than 30 points only three times this year, and they've allowed 400 or more yards in every game, including 519 yesterday. Their defense is awful, and they have a great record in shootout games, but you can't expect to win three playoff games as shootouts. You're just not going to do it. So they need to find another way to win or else they're going to have more disappointing losses like this.
0: And then, of course, uh, tonight we told you Chicago and the Rams. That's what we have on 97.3 ESPN. Indy, Miami, Minnesota, and Baltimore. They are your bye weeks. And that is one thought on every Week 7 game. Real quick, uh, you know, uh, the Thursday night game, I'll get your thought. Atlanta is playing Carolina. We've talked about how bad Atlanta is, and Carolina, if they could get this win, I guess they would be sticking around Carolina on Thursday night. If they can win, they would be 4-4. Four and four. That keeps them in the wild card mix.
2: It does. I would expect that they could win because Atlanta is, is, has too many weaknesses on defense and Carolina is playing well on defense. It's just not if matter the Carolina offense can keep up, but they were using a, a backup to Davis, a guy named Trenton Cannon, I believe is who it was, and he actually was showing some burst and they need to keep going to him because if they can get a one-two combination between those two to keep Davis fresh and to get the kind of production they were getting out of their backfield, they ought to win that contest you know, six times out of ten.
0: Yeah, and uh, by the way, that Sunday nighter, the Eagles and the Cowboys, we will break down more on Friday. But it's going to be an ugly run to the East here. What's going to get it done? Five, six wins?
2: I think it's going to end up being seven wins. I, people, it all this has come up many times before. People are like, oh, the, you get a seven win division and act like it's the end of professional football and that you need to just get rid of divisions and all that. You don't get rid of the NFC East. You don't get rid of the rivalry that is that division just because you have one bad season. But I think it is going to, I think some teams are going to start playing better down the stretch. And plus, Philly, yeah, the 2-4-1, but I mean, they could if they win the Washington game, they would have three wins and they could have won that. And if that tie was a win, they could easily be a four win team right now. And I think that'll show up down the stretch.
0: Yeah, and Another thing is you forget the NFC West. A couple of years ago, they were the work. They were the laughing stock. They were the seven and nine. Now they're the best. So it all goes in cycles. Keep the integrity of the divisions. And by the way, the NFL does not want to do uh, get rid of the NFC East teams making the playoffs. That's their biggest market. That's why you see Philly and Dallas and New York uh, these teams constantly on primetime football games because they score the highest ratings.
2: They do, and that and the thing is, is why would you? It's it's that and. NFC East fans care about NFC East games. And this AFC North fans care about AFC North. And the division, but be people in these divisions, they get you know, those Packers and the Bears. Are you just going to say we're going to get rid of divisions and have a 16-team NFC and now Packers-Bears doesn't count other than just being a game and you're going to play each other once every couple years? Uh, that'd, be the most, that'd be the most idiotic thing the NFL schedulers could do.
0: All right, Casey, joiner, NFL Insider, the Every Monday, every Friday with one thought, every game. He'll be back on Friday with one thought on week eight. We are hitting the halfway point of the NFL season, and he like all guests appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Thank you, Casey. Thanks, Mike. All right, he like all guests appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. It is brought to you by Matt Bladkia. They want to get you approved today. Visit Matt Bladkia 6211 Black Horse Bike in Egg Harbor Township. You got Bears and
1: Rams tonight. You got to uh Got a thought? One thought, Bears-Rams? Yeah, well, when we were talking about this, when we were breaking down the NFL schedule, I thought the Bears, at a seven-point underdog, was kind of slapping them in the face a bit, even though it's on the road, so... I'll stick to my guns, although, hey, I was way wrong on that Dallas one. We'll come back and talk about this one more, see if I was right or wrong. Yes, we will. And, uh, you know, you don't got baseball tonight, so you don't have that distraction. Yeah, disappointing. I wanted to see a Rose Arena. my father, hit another home <laughs> run. <rock.
0: laughs> well, you'll have that tomorrow, and I definitely want to see a Wednesday game. Me too. Because then you get this week, Monday Night Football, World Series Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday Night Football. What is Thursday Night Football this week? Carolina and uh, oh, yeah, Atlanta. That's right. And then Friday, I think there's a um, – no, that's next week that there's a uh, good co- – it's Miami and NC State, I think, next Friday. There's probably a Friday rando game this year – Uh this week. You get those third- Tuesday,
1: Wednesday. You get those random conference – like those Sunbelters. Right. Good old Sunbelt, my favorite.
0: All right, time for the 5 to get ready to wrap up the show. It's brought to you by Recovery Centers of America with Drug and Alcohol Addiction Treatment Centers in
1: both Mays Landing and Devon, PA. What do we got? The over under is set at 44 and a half tonight for this Bears Rams game. What do you like? I like the under in this game.
0: Both teams have good defenses. Bears offense is kind of eh. I'll go under tonight. I think you get kind of a uh, you honor. Nick Foles
1: 249 and a half passing yards.
0: they go under polls I have uh, my fantasy team got rochambeau Big time? Blasted. Wow. Well, I had Cam Newton. And I went up against Patrick Mahomes, and he didn't do anything this week. Yeah, it doesn't help. No, but uh, every other guy on his team, I feel like, uh, had a monster, monster game. But I have Allen
1: Robinson down by about 70. I was going to ask you next. 71 <laughs> and a half
0: for his receiving yards. He'll go way over because... He's not going to help me.
1: He'll get you close enough to
0: flirt no, with it. No, it's like one, <laughs> I'm losing like 167 to like 90. You know, I had um, James Robinson had a huge day for me. But when you're a quarterback, I think you got to be negative three. Wow. Through three picks, I think he had 90 yards. So I think
1: he had zero, actually. Something like that. Just one
0: of those weeks.
1: No doubt. It happens, though, right? You got to dust yourself off and get back into I had it a big next week. day from
0: T. Higgins just wasn't good enough. I had a
1: nice day from Tyler Lockett.
0: Yeah, um, Frisker didn't do much for me. I had, oh,
1: no, you went with him. You had to, had right? A choice. Yeah, but I have a Lockett Metcalf combination, so when the Seattle Seahawks score some points, it's good for me normally. All right, the last player prop I have for you is Daryl Henderson, over, under 53 and rushing yards. Uh, under, uh, Bears, really
0: good defense. I think, um, there's a, odds boost for Khalil Mack to have like
1: a sack and a half tonight. Oh, I take that. Get involved. Yeah, maybe I will. Bears plus six Rams minus. I like the Rams tonight
0: at home. I don't think the Bears score all that much. I think it's low scoring like um, 24 10 something like that.
1: 24 13 something like that. Nick Fole struggles. I just don't think Foles is well hold on he won the Super Bowl I know you can't say that sorry it's okay
0: there's the five there is the five alright looking forward to uh, World Series tomorrow I kind of miss it tonight
1: yeah me too I am so it's into sad this that series. there's only two games left possibly. I know maybe one I feel like I'm with one of the people who reached out for Ask Mike and Broads, Mark. I'm I'm crying internally knowing the Phillies are never going to be this. Here's the sad part. Normally now, on those other nights, you get a little Flyers,
0: get a little Sixers. You're not getting that. Now you only got football.
1: That's it. You went Flyers first over Sixers. Well, they usually start first. Okay, is that why? Or maybe because your orange passion is coming out of you. going to miss them. You're going to miss the flag. Guys. Not going to get them until after the new year. Yeah. We haven't heard much on the NHL too much. We heard the soft date, but the NBA is coming out more vocal. Maybe the NHL follows. The
0: NBA is saying around the 22nd, right around Christmas, is what they're looking at.
1: I can get down with that. 72 yeah. games, right? 72 games
0: right around Christmas, and, you know, hopefully they say that gets them back on track for the
1: following year. Well, where would that put them, man? Would that still be playoffs in. July ish, like no, I think they would just I mean because October you start. There's no way it could be May. Can it be May? I think it might be to, one month. One later. month, okay. So should, you're not getting, July, something like that. Okay. Yeah. So you're not getting smacked into October. Yeah, like. you
0: can't be doing that again. All uh, right, that'll do it for us. Scott Grayson on tonight with uh, Josh during game night, and that'll take you to Monday night football. Good one tonight, Bears and Rams. Stick it with us right here on 97.3 ESPN. Tomorrow, the BMOC, Jeff Nadeau from Barstool Sports. We'll talk about the early lines. Ah, boy. Eagles-Cowboys week. Uh, Danny White's going to be on the show with us later on. Former Dallas Cowboy quarterback Danny White will be on later on this week. We always do some fun stuff during Eagles-Cowboys week, so keep it here on 97.3 ESPN. Have a great night, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow.